All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the 28th day of August, 2018. Before I talk to you about today's show, let me remind you that I am the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks uh, and that you can subscribe to my letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, or you can call our office here in New York City during normal work hours, 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. would also like to encourage you to consider subscribing to Chen Lin's letter by going to chenpicks.com, chenpicks.com, Chen has done exceptionally well as an investor, having turned $5,400 into $2.5 million over a 10-year period. And now he shares his ideas with his subscribers. And better yet, today he's going to be with us during the second segment to share a couple of his biotech ideas and a couple of his energy uh, stocks that he likes a lot with us as well. Uh, I should also just mention that um, it's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com. Going to be with me again is Michael Oliver, and goodness sakes, he's been so helpful to us. Uh, just to write that, write that um, address down too, OliverMSA.com. I always talk about it every every week, but just make a special note because Michael deserves the same kind of attention. So, I do want to thank all of you for listening to this show and making one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. Also, want to invite you to keep your questions, criticisms, um, comments, whatever they are. To questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. I also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Today's sponsors are in resources, Bonterra Resources, Genesis Metals Corp., uh, Great Bear Resources, Klondike Gold, and Novo Resources. And I might just mention that last week about this time when I was talking to you about Great Bear Resources, the stock rose, it was selling at about 50 cents. It's $1.40 before the show began today. So in one week, it's actually it got above $1.50. So in one week, and that's in U.S. money, in one week it more than tripled. Uh, these are the kind of explosive runs you can get when companies come through with impressive drill intercepts. Uh, Klondike Gold will be talking to Peter Talman la- next week, and I think they have similar potential with their Yukon project. Uh, and... Um, Novo Resources, of course, the same thing. Uh, I'm very bullish on the junior sector. We've been millions of dollars put into the sector. Drill holes put down. It takes a long time from exploration until results come. But now the capital that's been plowed into the ground the last few years, we're starting to see some results, and some of them are downright exciting. So um, I hope that you'll consider subscribing to my letter. We've got lots of great ideas, and a lot, some of them we'll share with you here uh, on the show. 
I've, I've uh, titled today's show, Long-Term Stocks and Gold Beat Long-Term Stocks and Bonds. David McElvenny, Chen Lin, and as I said, Michael Oliver will be with me um, in just a moment or two. Uh, David will be second uh, during the second half of today's show and uh, Chen Lin the second segment. You may not be aware of the fact that if you had a portfolio containing 75% stocks and 25% gold over the last 50 years, it would have performed substantially better than if you had a portfolio comprised of 75% stocks and 25% bonds. But that indeed is the is the truth, as we'll uh, learn from David McElhoney. He'll provide some ideas as to why that uh, has happened and why it might be uh, why it might make a lot of sense if you really understand. Uh, the nature of gold, uh, specifically um, just uh, the numbers, uh, more specifically over the last 50 years, a portfolio of invest $1,000 50 years ago, 75% in stocks and 25% in bonds, that 1000 would have grown to 93000 uh, But if you had put 75% of that $1,000 in stocks and 25% in gold, that 1000 would have grown to $125,000 over that same time period. And even better, the portfolio with gold would have been less risky. Fewer ups and downs, that's risk defined as volatility of annual returns. So we'll be talking to David McElvaney about that in the second half of today's show uh, and uh, ask him about what are some of the ways that investors can take advantage of that, uh, that long-term dynamic. Also, uh, Chen Lin will be with me in just a, few, a couple of minutes here after we talk to Michael. Um, Chen will talk to us about two of his favorite biotech stocks, and that's where he's really made a lot of money in the last few years in the biotech sector. Also, he's done very well in the energy stocks and quite well also uh, sometimes uh, in the gold share sector. So Chen will be with us, but right now, uh, Michael Oliver. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hi, Jay. Always good to have you with us now. Uh, Last week seemed like kind of a pivotal, maybe turning point for gold. Mm -hmm. Today, I see gold is getting whacked pretty hard. I haven't looked at it in the last half hour or so, but it was down pretty hard today. What's your take on gold right now? I think uh, everything is transitioning, and I think gold, too. And I think the transition began uh, in, in some markets over the last two weeks. That would be gold, for example, and dollar index, uh, with gold shooting up uh, as much as uh, 4 4 4.5% off its low intra-week low to intra the high of this week, and the dollar index dropping sharply over the last couple of weeks uh, from an area I think is resistance, and I think both of them are making a transitional turn of their intermediate trends. The major trend on gold is up, the major trend on dollar is down, and so therefore the dollar rally we've seen over the last several months, which I think has peaked, uh, is just an intermediate counter-trend rally, and the same with the large drop in gold from well over 1300 down to uh, uh, you know, where we've been recently, and uh, I think they're, they're turning. Now, I think this is also true with a lot of markets. Um, the S&P, for example, which I'm, I'm really focused on right now, which has probably got people more uh, fatigued in the, in the watching process than any market, uh, the drop that occurred in February, uh, mm-hmm. we measure markets by, you know, different time scales of momentum trend, you know, everything breathes, you know, short-term, intermediate, long-term. And sometimes these swings aren't in sync with each other. A long-term trend could be positive, and you'll have a counter-trend move that may last Mm -hmm. several months, for example. Mm -hmm. Well, so we measure via different timescales. Well, in the case of the S&P in February, we had a sell signal at 2790. 
That was about 60, 70 points off the traded high of January. It collapsed within six days to 25.32 from that sell signal. Now, that was an intermediate trend sell signal. It stopped exactly at a level that it had stopped at in the Brexit sell-off and the post-Trump sell-off, which is its 40-week moving average, or for our oscillators, a zero line. It stopped there. Now, there was so much distance between the point where intermediate trend signals a sell and mm-hmm. where it got down to a level that needed to hold on long-term momentum. Mm-hmm. By the time you got to the long-term momentum number, you were pretty much exhausted mm-hmm. on near-term and intermediate-term charts. You were oversold. Mm-hmm. So it held. So the problem then, in terms of turning the S&P into a, a, a longer-term bear, was you exhausted yourself just getting down to the key structure. Uh-huh. That's changed. We've come back. It's taken. We had about a six-day drop in February that collapsed hundreds of points. It's taken us seven months to regain all that. So consider that days versus uh-huh. months. Uh-huh. Uh, and finally, made a new high. Oh boy! Oh boy! We're now you know percent above the January high. Okay, it's non-confirmed on all momentum indicators, and the pending structure to break it back down on an intermediate basis, starting in a week in September are numbers literally around where you're trading now, down to about a percent below where you're trading now. So there's a minefield right below the market. Now, the difference this time between now and the February break is the long-term breakage numbers are only 3.5% below where you break the intermediate trend. So Mm -hmm. unlike in February, when there was a huge distance between breakage of one and then breakage of the other, almost 10% or more, this time it's only 3.5%. So the minefields are very close together this time. And therefore, I, I think you've got to be watching the S&P because any intermediate downturn that we can signal, and we issue them in our reports, it, all it has to do is sneeze 35 more percent beyond the point of breakage, and it's going to trigger the big stuff, in mm. which case you probably got your top. And it's it was the big it was stuff. A, yeah. The big stuff, yeah. This is stuff that goes, uh, this trend support structure I'm talking about on long-term momentum goes all the way back to late 2016, and it's been used so many times, it's ridiculous. If you saw the momentum chart, you would, you would say, oh, my God, you know, this is highly dangerous. You can't break mm-hmm. that level again. If you ever do, you, you're, you're over. Uh, but I think all of this is occurring in various markets simultaneously uh, where the transition points are occurring. Some of them have already begun, I think, the dollar down and gold back to the upside. And no, it's not going to be a straight shot. But I think you're going to see more evidence of it as we get into next month. Because that's when the monthly numbers take over. And I think you're going to see uh, the trend change will be a little more apparent. Upside in gold, upside in silver, uh, and and downside in the dollar, and uh, likely downside in the S&P. So Mm -hmm. I think we're in transition right now. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me between now and first of next month, which is, what, Tuesday, a week from now, uh, that you get some downside in the S&P, some kind of sell-off, but nothing significant. Uh, it's when you get into September that the numbers get really pregnant for mm-hmm. these reversals. And, so I, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be largely concerted. You know, it'll be happening in many markets, both mm-hmm. different directions, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. Well, I'll have to we wait have, and see. I, I, yeah. I certainly... Um, one of the things that I really like about your work, Michael, is it helps to put in perspective these, you know, we tend to be influenced so strongly by what's happening in the near term, and we and we don't see the world from 30,000 feet up. We see it from, right. you know, right where we're at, and 
So today, for example, I'm seeing a, a cash gold down 1160 right now. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, just a whisker under 1200 And, uh, you know, it looked, was looking very good early today, but uh, lo and behold. But that's the way markets are. And uh, what you seem to do and what's so helpful to me is, is put this, these short-term things in perspective from the longer term. The structure, you know, longer term, shorter term, these counter-trend rallies and so on and so forth. Uh, very helpful to me. And uh, anything else you'd like to add this this today yet before we uh, before we go to the break? Uh, no, I even uh, see it in the the grains, which uh, we were we we fumbled on that one. I have to admit, uh, we saw the grains as upside earlier this year, and the wheat, in fact, has gone up. But uh-huh. corn and beans went down, and it was the the tariff ambush that occurred in May when uh-huh. uh, the Trump tariffs against China, because China's biggest consumer of soybeans in the world. And he says, mm-hmm. nah, you know, they, they stuck a tariff on it to they retaliate against his tariffs. And so yeah. the soybean market uh, really got whacked, and it's down, in my opinion, at what's called theoretical zero, meaning commodities aren't going to go to zero. So each commodity has a level over, over time, and it gradually rises because of the decay in the currency units, obviously, you measure it by, where a certain price level is just, it's just not going to go below there. It, it'll labor there, it'll labor there, but it's telling you, I've had it, and I think around $8 beans is around theoretical zero for soybeans. Um, mm-hmm. Each commodity has its own sort of ground floor that you, you can beat it back down there, but uh, you just aren't going to take it lower because it's, it's not going to go to zero. And mm-hmm. I think we're about there in soybeans. I think uh, the monthly shift that we're going to see in the grains next month is also going to become apparent, particularly in corn and beans, back to the upside. Okay. Uh, I know you've been particularly bullish on the grains, on the agricultural commodities, uh, mm-hmm. With 30 seconds left here, uh, Michael, do you still see do, do you see a, a possible counter uh, do, you, do you see an end to the decline in copper and, and oil and, and possibly a resumption of a bull market in those two in those two uh, markets? Yeah, the oil I'm a little mixed on. Uh, I kind of think that it could ratchet itself lower between now and the end of the year. I think it had a glorious first two years off its low after it went from 26 dollars to 75. I mean, not many commodities had that percent recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of ambivalent on oil right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, copper may have had the correction we wanted at $3.16, which was slightly off the highs uh, back in May, June. We said, now nah, sharp correction's coming probably into the 250 area. It got to 255. Mm-hmm. Right now it's 273. Okay. So that might have been the corrective low at copper. Um, but, All right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, generally, still bullish on commodities in general. Oh, and yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. All right. Despite Very good. Fumble, despite the fumble in the grains, uh, the tariff yeah. news and all that, I think they can overcome that and uh, mm-hmm. regain themselves. Uh, but uh, I think it's transition month is September. Uh, we used a phrase, the sumo wrestler uh, uh, pivot throw. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen a, a, a some wrestler pivot throw the other guy. I think that's going to happen in a lot of markets during September. Where All right. Well, that's a, 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 <laughs> another thing that's fun about reading your stuff, Michael, is you, you do use some, some uh, picturesque language from time to time, and that's uh, to make otherwise boring numbers look uh, a little more interesting. Uh, thank you so much. It's Oliver MSA, folks. Oliver MSA. Learn more about Michael's work and sign up for his excellent newsletter, uh, we do have to go to break. Thanks again, Michael, for being with us. Thank and you. Uh, folks, don't go away because we'll be right back with my friend Chen Lin. Uh, he'll have some ideas about uh, some biotech, a couple of biotech favorites and a couple of energy favorites. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Chen Lin.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. A gold rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike gold rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corps. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again my friend, Chen Lin. And Chen is, uh, he's been, hasn't been on the show for a while, but we used to have him on. We should have him on more often. It's all a matter of uh, time constraints, but actually he's had a, an excellent track record. Uh, he, was a, um, he was a candidate for a degree, an advanced degree, a PhD at Harvard, or at, I should say at Princeton, uh, but he was making so much money investing that he decided to put that on the back track. And he's done so well, and we learned to know each other. He's just a, a, a great idea with a great, a great a great person with a lot of great ideas uh, that are very, very interesting. And he works extremely hard, and he does well for his subscribers. Uh, so it's ChenPicks.com. Just, again, if you want to take that address down and, and contact Chen and consider subscribing. Uh, Chen, you've done very well in various segments of the uh, equity markets, I know, diverse segments, actually, but recently you've done extremely well with the biotech. I, I think the biotechs over the last two, three years or so, you've done very, very well, maybe four or five years. Uh, can you comment on, on a couple of your favorites? Uh, I know a couple that uh, you've encouraged me to own. First, Sorrento Therapeutics, selling at about five and a half bucks today. Uh, they are... Um, an immuno-oncology uh, story, and uh, I think one of their uh, one of their products is Car Car T, which I believe is uh, is one name or one concept that people need to watch and pay some attention to. Talk to us about Sorrento Therapeutics. What is what is the company? Um, you know, what are they up to, and what should people be looking for in terms of uh, share price drivers? Yeah. Hi, thank you, thank you, Jay. Uh, nice to be back. Uh, first on Sorrento, uh, it's, it's it, the goal is to cure cancer. Okay, mm-hmm. so they are trying a very uh, experimental procedure for CAR T, which has a great success last year. You, you know, the company like Juno, like Kai, they all been taking over around ten billion dollar, and Sorrento's market cap about half a billion. So that's mm-hmm. that's your you know upside. Uh, the, they are 
doing the trial right now. They are in the trial. So results could come in, come out anytime from now to the end of the year. It depends on how do they want to release it. Uh, in general, CAR-T, the first 10, 10, 10, 20 patients can tell whether this is a successful or not. has been the case for Juno and has been the case for Kai. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, this, I couldn't say more about that. We, that's very, very important, and then it can, can propel the, the stock up tenfold or more. And also, okay. they also invest in another company for cellularity, and then they are potentially going IPO this year. So that's another catalyst. <coughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, they also are involved in some uh, non-opioid painkillers, I believe, or pain pain uh, products, pain management products, right, Chen? Yeah, that's right. But that's not uh, their core, you know, right now. That's they, not their they, core they business. They already got approved. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. they're approved by the FDA. I think they either sell it to, you know, because their balance sheet is weak, right? They can mm-hmm. sell it or they find a partner to do it or whatever, but it's not, not a major thing. Mm-hmm. It definitely offers values to, to the stock. Uh-huh. Uh, Chen, you have a, uh, some allergies or something bothering you there a little bit, I guess. If you if you want to take a break and get a glass of water, that would be okay. Oh, no, I'm or, okay. fine. I'm just okay. uh, yeah, All right. flying, All right. visiting a, a project, so I'm okay. Okay, very good. Okay. So uh, another one that you like is Oncosec Medical, uh, $1.43. O-N-C-S is a symbol. Um, what what can you tell us? They're also involved in, in cancer immunology ther- or immunotherapy, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. This is kind of stock I like, or person I like. Right now, stock is at uh, 75 million market cap, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you look at the chart uh, a couple of months ago, when they initially announced the results, stock was trading at double, more than double the current price at 150 million market cap. So when they announced the preliminary results, stock was trading at $3, right now it's trading at $1.40. They will have final results coming out in a month or two. You know, one, one, two, one, two, three months, just to be give myself a little. Very soon, they will come out with the results, and then they have a similar product. It's called Armo, right? As if you look at the in the two, three months ago, Eli Lilly spent one point five billion dollar and bought Armo, right? Armo mm-hmm. is a, a very similar to theirs. It's called IL ten or interleukin ten, and then theirs mm-hmm. IL is twelve. So very similar product was taken over by Eli Lilly for $1.5 billion. So if they are successful, easily another company can spend half a billion, a billion, right, mm-hmm. to them because that company is a bit more advanced, so probably cost more, but the same, same idea. So that, that's a you know, very good risk-reward for $75 million stock. I mean, there's no difference from now and three, four months ago when the stock was trading at $3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chen, I, I'm sort of thinking that maybe some people who might be a little little less risk-averse might, especially if there's some really short-term catalyst here, might want to consider buying options if they're available. I know that the Sorrento has some options. Uh, you could buy call options on Sorrento, right? What about on Cossack? Perhaps not, huh? Uh, it's already a dollar something, so it's quite yeah. low. Uh, yeah. you, you can potentially buy the option, but that you have to cover relatively long period of time. Okay, uh, my yeah. experience is if you know when it's a catalyst, uh, you yes. can buy option. You don't know exactly sure because the, the data can come out 
from one to three months. You don't know exactly sure okay. the time. Yeah, uh, usually sure. just own the stock. So that's just my ex- experience. But you know, yeah. So well, I guess that's that's right. Um, of course, if everybody knows the date it's coming out, then the, then the price, the options will be going up too. So anyway, those, right, those are a couple up. of your yeah. Those are a couple of your mm-hmm. favorite um, biotechs, and I, I think, you know, I mean, these are, these are really high-risk, high-return stories, aren't they? I mean, you, exactly. You know, I, I, I was, you know, I did, I decided very well in the past few years in biotech. You know, I have proven if you are successful, you, you can get thousands of percent back, mm-hmm. back, right? It's not just. That ten bag is more, more, many, many more than ten bag. So if you're successful, but the, the, of course there will be a loser along the way too. Yeah, I mean they are very volatile. These stocks can go up and down based on on rumors or whatever's uh, you know whatever the market thinks because the stakes are so high. Uh, they tend to become it, overvalued and then undervalued and back and forth they go. And then finally, you've had enough of these that you've been patient with. But you watch them very carefully, and you let your subscribers know on an ongoing basis, you know, the real big catalyst and when they should be alert to those catalysts. So I think that's a very valuable service that you provide. And you also, though, have done Thank very you, well Dave. with, with uh, energy stocks, and Valera Energy is one that you like a lot. that trades in Toronto under the symbol VLE, and you can buy it in the U.S. under the symbol PNWRF. I saw it trading in $2.80 in U.S. money a little while ago. What can you tell us about those? That's a company with uh, oil and gas operations, I guess, in Turkey, is it? Natural gas in Turkey? Exactly. Natural gas in Turkey recently has been hammered because of the Turkey currency crisis. Okay, mm-hmm. I got a lot of questions from my subscriber, from my friend, even uh, asked me about w- what's going on with them. Uh, it's Turkey, first, is it's, uh, uh, it's very likely be first uh, major fracking success in Europe period in the history, you know, in so for so many years, uh, they have a very successful testing of first well. Now they just uh, about to move the rig to to do the second, you know, they they uh, to do a second well. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the Turkey financial crisis scare a lot of investors. And yes. I've been advising my subscriber it's a good time to buy, you know, to, to buy again, you know, uh, using this dip. I personally have been buying. I mean, I can tell you I have been buying today as well. So because mm-hmm. today, Lira had your weekend again. It, someone was mm-hmm. selling. Someone was scared. But I'm not. I can tell you why. Because uh, first, it's a major fracking uh, in, in Turkey. Uh, you're talking about tens of trillions of uh, a cubic feet of get natural gas worth billions mm-hmm. and billions of dollars. The market cap of Valar is hun- a couple hundred million. It's laughable. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, and also, but Turkey lacking any infrastructure, lacking the technology to do any fracking. So uh, the the risk for co- company in you know, the country to nationalize is almost nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was jokingly with a friend of telling if what's the chances that field getting nationalized probably a few years or five to ten years uh, when mm-hmm. they start generating good cash flow maybe the country uh, will look at it to nationalize but at that time Valaro will not be an independent company I can pretty right. much sure thing and a mm-hmm. major company deal with them mm-hmm. it's, well upward everything is possible so the risk I see is, an, is a civil war in Turkey okay so mm-hmm. unless Turkey get into civil war this is a very good asset and they're going to do testing testing without coming out 
uh, in a few days. So that's for the first well testing, test production. And then the second well will be start drilling at the end of the Q3. So, mm-hmm. and then results will be Q4, maybe Q1, right? So it, it's coming pretty quick, pretty quick. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll take it back. At the, uh, uh, later this year, they, they start drilling later this year. The results will be Q, Q4, likely some results in Q4, and then uh, major results in Q1 of next year. That'll be next one. year. Okay. All right, Chen, with right. just about uh, a minute left, um, Transatlantic Petroleum also has some projects in, uh, in Turkey, I believe, oil and gas projects. Uh, TAT is yes. a symbol in the U.S. That's, that's a Texas-based uh, the management. The company's in, in Texas, but they're operating in, in Turkey with oil and gas. TAT is a symbol, $1.72. What do you like about that one? Well, as I said uh, very early on, many months ago, I think that this is a, a plan to take over by its uh, a majority shareholder, uh, more than 50, around 50%, Malo Mitchell. Uh, uh, they have been just moving along. I think he's going to take it private. Uh, they have been a lot of delays. Uh, I think one of this, there seems to be multiple bids on the company. So for the CEO and chairman to take it over, they probably has to overbid everybody, right? So this process is taking a little bit longer, but I'm very optimistic. Uh, and has a great asset in Turkey, same basin. They have a lot of acreage. They also have other in Eastern Europe. Uh, I once asked the CEO uh, what's their favorite project. He think I think Bulgaria has a very good prospect. So there's a lot of things coming, and we should find out very soon, hopefully in a few days. All right, excellent, Chen. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us, giving us some of these ideas. And again, it's ChenPix.com, ChenPix.com, folks. Go there to learn more about Chen and, and sign up for his letter. It's uh, he, He'll send you information when he has any time that he picks up important information concerning some of his favorites. Uh, the ones he's really watching closely. He'll send a, a missive out to you to let you know about it. Uh, it's a very good service. Thank you, Chen, so much for being with us, and uh, we'll look to do it again sometime in the near future. Thank you, Jake. Glad to be back. Thank you very much. Well, folks, uh, we do have to go to break, but don't go away because David McElvenny will be with us to discuss where he thinks we are in the credit cycle and uh, maybe give us some ideas as to why gold is better than bonds in a diversified portfolio. So don't go away. We'll be right back with David McElvenny. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Novo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold Project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again David McIlvaney. David is the president of the McIlvaney Financial Companies, McIlvaney Wealth Management, and ICA. It's a precious metals brokerage firm. Yeah, David has a very impressive academic background, having a degree from Biola University. That's an associate member of Kebble College, Oxford University, and he worked uh, with Morgan Stanley as well before uh, going to work uh, with his father's firm, Don McIlvaney, started uh, the McIlvaney f- uh, business many years ago. I remember, and I'm much closer to Don McIlvaney's age than I am to David, so I remember many years ago when I was a young man uh, listening to Don McIlvaney at a show in New York and, and uh, reading his newsletter from time to time. So I am really um, was really pleased to hear that, uh, that David was picking up uh, for his father when his father retired recently. Uh, I've known David for quite a while. I think um, front and center above all, I think I know David well enough to say that he is a God-fearing man who believes in creator God who rules over all human activities and does so out of his love for us. Now, many people have told me over the years to keep my personal faith out of discussion about economics and markets, but my thinking has always been that you cannot separate one's worldview from human behavior. And uh, the way I see it, there are basically two major religions in the United States. There is Christianity on the one hand, and what I would say is an anti-Christianity or liberalism on the other. And we Americans are facing those two conflicting worldviews, I think, like never before in my lifetime. And I think that they are having, uh, at least liberalism is having an impact on our political and economic landscape like never before in my, in my view. Well, anyway, theological issues are, are certainly beyond the scope of our discussion today because of limitations of time. We'll need to stay focused on some of the services that David's firm uh, has available to help individuals um, through the storms that might lie ahead, McIlvaney Wealth Management and ICA, the precious metals firm, when I asked David about both of the, the services of both of those companies. Decades of uh, Keynesian liberal economics have set a path of socialist economic destruction in front of us, and so what we want to ask David today is for help in protecting our wealth against the perils that we are starting to face now. I believe very firmly uh, we are about to face, thanks uh, to decades of irresponsible monetary creation, uh, I should mention before we say hello to Dave that you can learn more about his firm uh, at McIlvaney.com. That's M-C-A-L-V-A-N-Y.com. David, thank you so much for joining me again today. Jake, great to be back with you. Always good to have you. Um, you know, I've been familiar with your weekly podcast, and I should tell our listeners that you really want to check this out. It's about an hour long. They're excellent in covering major developments in the markets as well as uh, domestic political and geopolitical events. Uh, David, what is the objective of the podcast, and, and how can our listeners avail themselves to it? Twofold objective with the podcast: one is continuing education for uh, everyone in our community, this uh, this team here in Colorado, um, and by extension, the second purpose is to invite others into that learning process. So as we're uncovering things and asking questions and seeking answers and 
and constantly searching for the truth, we're inviting listeners to come along for the ride with that. So whether it's um, book discussions with a particular author or talking to a politician or a central banker or our own internal discussions, just me and a colleague, um, that's what we're trying to figure out is what makes the world work and how we should be positioning accordingly um, as investors. You know, I get an email every week uh, advising me of the topic and that you're, and then the link to the email. How can people get that? How can they uh, receive their email, your emails, uh, alert them to the topics of your, uh, of your podcasts? Yeah, you know, that's, that's easy. If you go to McIlvaney Weekly Commentary, you mentioned our main site, McIlvaney.com. McIlvaney mm-hmm. uh, Weekly Commentary has a subscribe function on it. And okay. um, you can listen to this week's commentary. I've uh, been doing it for, we're now in our 11th year of podcasting every week. It's excellent. And I wasn't aware that, you're, that you have another, uh, another. I guess it's on YouTube, actually. Uh, Tori Aguilar, a senior advisor in your firm, uh, t- told me about it. You have something called the Golden Rule Radio that I guess it focuses primarily on, on the markets, on the precious metals markets. Uh, and I listened to it last week, and I thought it was really excellent. It was about like a 10-minute uh, overview of the markets and and some things to look at. That is a technical di- discussion uh, uh, from a technical perspective as well as fundamentals. Uh, so the objective of that, I guess, is just to keep people in touch with the uh, with the precious metals markets and and help them keep a perspective of it. Because I was just talking to our first guest a little while ago. You know, it's so easy to uh, you know we we miss the market from thirty thousand feet up, and we're looking at what we're experiencing right now today. Gold is down, you know, ten bucks or so, and it looks, you know, it's discouraging if you if you don't take a longer term perspective. But what is the objective then of the Golden Rule shows? If you could just explain that. Yeah, our whole organization is is geared towards product innovation and ongoing education. We want to empower investors to wisely engage uh, with the world, whether it's in, you know, fixed income. Uh, whether it's in commodities, whether it's in equities, uh, gold, of course. So education is certainly a part of it. And product innovation is something that we've been doing for a long, long time. We were the first company to put physical precious metals into an IRA going back to the mid-1980s and have come up with a number of, of new formats for people to invest in the metals through the years. So education and product innovation drive us. Um, those, are, those are two pillars of who we are and, and why we exist. Yeah, an IRA for uh, for gold or silver as well, I suppose, right? That's right. Okay. You know, I read somewhere in your uh, in your company's literature that over the past fifty years, an investment uh, allocation seventy five percent to stocks, twenty five percent to gold bullion, would have performed much better than seventy five percent in stocks and twenty five percent in bonds. Specifically, uh, the statistics were a thousand dollars invested fifty years ago would have turned into 93000 if you went the conventional route, which is 75% stocks, 25% bonds. But lo and behold, if you had that 25% in gold bullion, uh, that $1,000 would have gotten you to $125,000. How do you explain that? Yeah, the big issue is volatility. And when you have a high percentage allocated to stocks, if you have a market downturn, if you take a loss in your equity portfolio, it can take a long time to recover. When you have a cushion like a 25% allocation to gold, what you're doing is lowering total volatility and increasing total returns over time. So you don't have the same significant drawdowns that the normal equity portfolio would have. So, you know, over time, that's why you end up with a higher rate of return when you're combining equities 
and 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 bullion. Uh, my dad ran those numbers for Merrill Lynch back in the 1970s, and uh-huh. we wanted to check our math and see if anything had changed from the 70s to present. And we did the same research all over again this last year, and lo and behold, that 75-25% split. Uh, if if growth is 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 important to you, uh, you can take away some of the downside by having an allocation to gold bullion. Uh, David, uh, is gold? Um more negatively or, or less strongly correlated with stocks than, than bonds? Uh, correct. I mean, one of the things that drives the bond market and the stock market um, at the same time is the cost of capital. So, mm-hmm. you know, as, as interest rates are coming down, bond prices are going up. Lo and mm-hmm. behold, as interest rates are coming down, if you're doing a discounted cash flow modeling for equities, uh, you have a justification for a higher price. So when the cost of capital is coming down, you end up with a higher correlation between stocks and bonds. Gold mm-hmm. ends up being a better, a better hedge than, mm-hmm. than, than, a, than a fixed income portfolio would offer. Right. So then, have you found in in the um, in the statistics you just ran, less volatility, uh, less risk in terms of uh, volatility or change uh, from year to year in in returns on the portfolio if for the gold portfolio, the one with gold as opposed to the one with bonds. That's that's correct. That's precisely mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. No, so less risky. And uh, so you know, if you're if you're a, a ret- in a retirement position and you need to take some money out from time to time. If you're sitting all with stocks and bonds and you have a 2008-2009 kind of event, all of a sudden you might be sitting with half the value, half your value gone. And that's well, it. and I think one of the things that we consider is that harvesting profits, whether it's from a cryptocurrency position or an equity portfolio that's done very well, the NASDAQ gets above 8,000, um, routinely cutting that back, you know, a farmer plants seed, he grows the crop, cuts it back, and plants again. And that process of, of taking profits, I think, is so important and reallocating. And to me, when you're building wealth, gold is one of those foundational pieces uh, that represents a long-term asset that you want to accumulate over years. And one of the things that we've tried to innovate there is is ways in which you can invest in gold that become easier and easier. And I, we've, we've, we've just launched a brand new product uh, that I think that does that very well. Um, okay, uh, so the you know I've, I've known of you for so many years. Uh, I've known of you as you know your father as an honest money, gold silver firm. Uh, you mentioned your innovative products and so forth. Uh, you don't deal with stocks, I think, very much at all, do you? Our wealth management company does. We deal oh, with everything under okay. the sun. Yep. So okay. we're right. we're very well exposed to the analysis and the allocation process. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're we're not in that sense a one-trick pony. Uh, if it's in the financial universe, we're very interested in it. Uh, what gives us a particular interest in the program we just launched called Vaulted is uh-huh. really a generational issue. When we look at uh, the generations of investors that we've helped, tens of thousands of people, billions of dollars placed into the metals market through the mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. Uh, we started in 1972, we see a generational communication issue. And that is parents and grandparents who may have a proclivity to own gold don't necessarily know how to articulate it. And quite frankly, in the last 10, 15 years, something has shifted dramatically. The format in which people uh, give and receive information and communicate is beginning to change. In fact, the way in which they prefer in, in, a, in a you know younger generation to even transact business uh, is is predominantly digital. So Vaulted is, is a program that we launched to be able to address the needs of the next generation of gold investors. And we saw a need in the market for a more transparent and straightforward way to approach gold investing, especially for a younger generation who may be newer 
to the market or to gold. And, and I think it's a great offering that allows for one generation to kind of pass the baton to the next with the values that they find important to them, but, you know, with, with a format that makes more sense to a 21st century crowd. Yeah, for sure. I can't imagine too many young people. My son, for example, is in his early 30s loading up the truck and taking some silver home and putting it in a closet or in the barn or someplace. So, um, yeah, so your vaulted product, which you mentioned, I, I, did, uh, I did open an account there. I believe it's it's for small investors as well as larger investors. I mean, if I think you can open an account for as little as $10, $10 I think I saw I, I opened mine with $50. It was very easy. I'm certainly not a very IT-savvy person, but I think it took me less than 10 minutes, perhaps, to open it. Um, talk to us a little bit about the gold, the vaulted gold product. What makes it unique, and, and why do you think it provides something that um, others haven't yet provided in this well, space. There, are, there are other products out there that mm-hmm. have either a different product mix or a pricing uh, strata or an interface that we've found to be incredibly challenging to use. So mm-hmm. what we were trying to do is bring the best mix of product pricing and interface so that the ease of use when you're transacting, buying and selling uh, is is there. I mean, we, we want you to feel like you're holding when you're holding your smartphone actually holding gold there on your phone so how much gold do you want to be able to transport with you how much gold do you want on your phone you can go from cash to gold in seconds with one touch to to get either to or from uh, the gold market and so we developed vaulted to be an easy to use web-based application to really reinvent the way people invest in gold all right so if i want to go i can i can go online open a vaulted account and buy gold at whatever the market price is at that at that point in time I guess with a credit card or with how do I do it uh, you know vaultedapp.com is mm-hmm. is the is the is the domain vaultedapp.com and yeah you can you can do it any way that you want. Um, you know, the, the best way, if you're considering it as a savings alternative, and, and that's really where I see this being uh, really filling a void. Savers sure. don't want to be stuck in a game where they have no control. And I think we're seeing devaluation become more and more common. I mean, look at how flexible politicians are with their exchange rates and the tools that sure. they use to create economic stimulus and now all the talk of trade conflict and whatnot currencies are smack dab in the middle of this. So the, yeah. the fact that people have to look at their savings more critically and say, what is a stable way to hold my savings? You, you link this account to to your, your, your savings account or checking account and ACH funds either in or out and it's very easy to, to manage your, your liquidity. One of the critiques I've had over 50 years, we've been in the business near almost 50 years, is it's cumbersome to transact with gold. I have to send mm-hmm. product in, I have to wait for it to arrive, how long does the post office take to get it there? <laughs> this takes away all of the encumbrance and again allows you to treat a gold holding as if it's a savings alternative. You know, there there has also been talk about, you know, we had bailouts in 2008, 2009, there's talk now of, of bail-ins where banks may simply uh, decide that they need a certain amount of your deposit to keep solvent uh, and they apparently have the legal right. Actually, you are a uh, you are a an, an unsecured lender when you put your money in the bank. So it would seem to me to make some sense to take your savings out of the financial sector and put it into something like your vaulted uh, product. I would I would think outside of the banking system, uh, cost of storage, David, and and cost of buying and selling gold. 
Right. You're right in line with GLD on the cost of storage, 40 basis points. And, you know, we have some of the lowest fees in the industry. And all that is shared up front. You go through that web page, vaultedapp.com, and it gives you every detail that you would want, including the fact that the gold that the Royal Canadian Mint uses is certified conflict-free. Um, and I think this is a key value that we embraced through the development process, transparency. Gold investment opportunities have been criticized, whether it's from hidden fees or taxes. And I think Vaulted addresses all of these issues by providing a completely transparent uh, investment process. So, you know, if you're looking at the at the current spot price of gold, add 1.8 percent, and that's your cost for the kilo bars. And yeah, th- th- we've we've eliminated the middleman. Ordinarily, there's mm-hmm. there's a middleman. You have spot plus the wholesale price plus a retail. On top of that, we've been able to compress all of that down uh, with our direct relationship with the Royal Canadian Men. And the gold that you buy is it allocated? Is it your gold? Is there some way of identifying? Your Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And I think that's one of the key things is when we look at gold and other programs, it's very difficult to get a hold of or take delivery of. It's not in a format that you would want to. And kilobars are, are one of those things that whether it's Asia or Europe or the U.S., uh, readily available, very desirable. Um, and you're talking about a non-pooled product, a non-pooled product, an allocated mm-hmm. product. So you can buy any portion of a bar. And then once you've completed the purchase of an entire bar weight, uh, 32.15 ounces, then you're assigned that serial number. So every purchase is associated with a serial number, uh, and then you're assigned that specific serial number uh, if you own the entire bar. Recently, we had a guest on uh, that has a product uh, in which you can lease your gold. You still own it. It's leased, and this firm does its due diligence, and it's actually uh, insured by Lloyd's of London. Uh, you can lease your gold, and I guess maybe perhaps get 2% or something like that on it. Uh, you're not going to get rich on it, but at least your gold is earning something. That's a lot of times the argument that's put out against, against owning gold. Well, it doesn't give you any return. Well, it, it saves its value, we know, over long periods of time, and, the, and, and fiat currency goes to, becomes worthless ultimately. But the reason I just mentioned that, uh, is it possible to have physical gold transferred uh, from uh, the vaulted account? So if I wanted to have physical gold transferred to, say, invest uh, with this other company, uh, not invest, but to lease my gold out for a return from another firm and then have it sent back to my vaulted account, is that possible? Absolutely not. We, we would not want to touch leased gold with a 10-foot pole, and I'll tell you why. When you deal with counterparty concerns and what happens in the context of financial stress and strain, a leased gold program is beautiful for the income that it gives you under normal circumstances. But the reason that you own gold is for those instances in which things are abnormal. When, when, when the stock and bond market or currency markets are in chaos, you saw this in 2008 and 2009, everybody wants to know who owns what, who <laughs> owns what, and who has access to it. So all of a sudden, counterparty risk and whether or not collateral is actually accessible and to whom becomes a real issue. Now, if you mm-hmm. want to stand in line and spend thousands of dollars with New York City lawyers to figure yeah. out if you get your gold back after leasing it, then you be my guest. But for me, the priority of owning gold is owning something that is a financial asset, but as we talked about earlier, is not in the banking system and is only at the periphery. 
periphery of the financial system, ready to be deployed into the financial system at a moment's notice. So I like the idea of treating gold as a savings alternative, as a currency alternative, and in the right time and space, putting it to work. Savings do that for you when there's value propositions in front of me that make the most sense. But I'll tell you what, Jay, if things are getting cheap, that means that there is stress and strain in the financial markets. We have mm-hmm. such a financialized, over-leveraged system that that the idea that you can, when you want to liquidate your gold to buy other assets, be able to do that in that kind of a leased arrangement, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk that because I think the best upside in gold is actually the translation from one asset class to the other, going from gold, your savings deposit, into a value asset, whether it's stocks, land, uh, or or what have you. So sure. I, I definitely clearly have a bias there, and 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 yeah. would would not participate in that kind of a program for all the merits that it may have. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, just uh, with a couple of minutes left, David. Uh, I think your firm also engages in a gold-silver strategy where you swap into back and forth between the two metals. Is that, uh, is that handled, uh, is that in the wealth management or where, who, what part of your business handles that? Yeah, so ICA, International Collectors ICA. Associates, okay. is, is, our, is our precious metals brokerage company. Right. And there you're dealing with uh, guys and gals with 20, 30 years experience in the market and trading the ratios and looking at premium plays and things like that allow you to compound ounces. Uh, and that, that's one of the reasons why you know, I love Vaulted. Vaulted's convenient, convenient way to save, and you can do it with as little as $10 in the account, which makes it great for kids and grandkids and things like that. But if you want a more sophisticated approach, not a static position in gold, but actually want to toggle back and forth between gold and silver or from platinum to palladium or what have you, then tapping into the kind of advisors that you have in our precious metals brokerage firm, it's invaluable. I mean, it pays itself over and over and over again. So, I mean, I love the new product that we're doing, Vaulted. It's not a cure-all. It's not meant to be uh, all things to all people. It is meant to be a savings alternative. It is meant to be a, a non-bank alternative. Uh, and, and so I think it does those things very well. It does those things very well. Um, but if you're looking for more counsel and consultation and expertise in ways of growing ounces within a precious metals portfolio mm-hmm. over time, can't think of a better group of people to be in touch with. All right. And uh, you do have that personal contact that people can actually talk to your uh, to your advisors there, which is, uh, I think, special these days when everything seems to be so automated and non-personalized. So I think that's definitely a, a plus that you're offering. Uh, David, with just about a minute left, um, where do you think we're at in the credit cycle now? I mean, this we've had a stock market now that's hit new highs. It seems like it's never going to end. It seems as though Mr. Trump is probably going to put, has seemingly been putting pressure on the Fed chairman uh, to ease the money, the money supply and pump money in there to keep the keep the party going. Uh, where do we sit right now? I think we're at the final stretch of of the credit cycle. Um, my colleague Doug Noland, who writes the Credit Bubble Bulletin and manages uh, on our wealth management platform, the Tactical Short, um, I think would agree with me that we have gone about as far as creativity can take you in terms of central bank interventions uh, and extension of a business uh, cycle, which which has gone far beyond clearly anything that perhaps I've imagined or he's imagined. Um, but you, you begin to run out of, of, of ammunition, so to say. 
And you know, we're, we're at a dangerous place where asset values are extended, um, where apathy and complacency is equally extended, where um, people have borrowed record amounts uh, on loans from, from their brokerage firms to buy even more of what they consider to be a guaranteed win in the stock market. It's that kind of over-exuberance that defines a market top. Yeah. And you know, now with you know, whether it's price to earnings or, or, or price to free cash flow or what have you, you can look at a variety of metrics and we are at the most expensive or second most expensive market values um, in, in, in all of stock market history. Uh, all right, we'll have, to, we'll have to leave it go with that, Dave. We're out of time. Uh, it always goes so fast. So much more to ask you about. Perhaps another time, if you can come back, we'd love to have you to talk more about some of the economic issues, the global geopolitical issues and so forth that are in play. But people can listen every week to your podcasting, catch all of that as well. Thank you, David, for being with us, and uh, all the best to you and your firm. Thank you. And if anyone's curious about the Vaulted program, just vaultedapp.com is a great way to discover more. Excellent. All right, folks. Well, that is all the time we have. Uh, Next week, Richard Mayberry will be with me, Peter Talman, the CEO of Klondike Gold, uh, and I expect Michael Oliver will be with me once again as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bonterra Resources, an advanced exploration company, is aggressively expanding its high-grade gladiator gold deposit in Quebec, Canada. Over the last 12 months, Bonterra has raised over $60 million and has attracted strategic investors Eric Sprott, Kirkland Lake Gold, and New York-based Vanek Gold Fund. Bonterra is focused on updating its 43-101 resource in the second half of 2018 and will incorporate up to an additional 100,000 meters of drilling, where the dimensions of the Gladiator deposit have been expanded to date nearly 500%. Bonterra trades in Canada under the symbol BTR and in the U.S. under the symbol BONXF. Often referred to as one of the best teams in junior gold exploration, having discovered a 5 million ounce gold mine and sold a second company amidst discovery, the management behind Orin Resources now has a world-class exploration portfolio within Canada and Peru. Projects that give the company one of the largest direct pipelines for major discoveries globally, with one of the deepest technical teams to explore them. Entering into its third year of aggressive pursuit, Orin is expecting results from two of their major projects throughout the rest of this year. For the latest, head to orinresources.com and subscribe.